Well, how about one transfer for college football or college basketball players where they don't have to sit out? I like it. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. It's great to be here, as always, as we go through the Big 12 and talk about the biggest stories of the week. And this one is not just Big 12 related. It is college football and college basketball related. So... Before we get to it, uh, we've got message boards, guys, on heartlandcollegesports.com, and we're giving away, by the way, $25 gift cards on there. So be sure to go sign up for our message boards. They're free. Just uh, the top poster is going to get a $25 gift card. And also, please leave a rating, review, subscribe to this podcast. It would mean so much to me if you do that. Uh, It helps us against the big dogs in the media space in podcasting. So take a moment out, and I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie, by the way. Just email me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, a picture of your rating and review, and I'll get you a free koozie. I mean, we are really blowing this thing up. It's because of you, because of our grassroots movement, so thank you for that. The NCAA announced this week that Division I athletes in all sports could soon find themselves in the position of being allowed to transfer once without having to sit out a year. This proposal that came from the uh, Transfer Waiver Working Group would change the criteria. Yes, so now they could transfer once, and then if they wanted to transfer again, they would have to sit out a year. Count me in. I'm a huge fan of this idea. One of the biggest things that has been a sticking point, and I think a good talking point by uh, pro college athletes, meaning people in favor of helping the college athlete, is you know these coaches, and they're not bad people, but coaches that – sign a recruiting class, and then pick up and leave, and are like, you know what, we're out, we're good, Um, thanks for signing, guys, I'll see you never. It always just rubbed me the wrong way, right? Like, how could it not rub you the wrong way? And then these kids are locked in, and if they want to leave, it's like, sorry, you can leave, but you have to sit out a year and basically delay your life by two years, so good luck with that. Like, it never sat well with anybody, for that matter. I mean, what was the defense of that, right? There never was a good one. So this, to me, I'd be much more interested in empowering the student-athlete in this way than I would by simply saying, pay them. Pay them. Pay them, pay them, pay them. No, let's actually have this conversation, and let's actually talk this thing through and say, I'm all for empowering the athlete, and this is a great way to empower the athlete. Now, Coaches probably not going to like it. It's going to make their lives more difficult. The transfer portal is already blowing up here. Uh, It's already becoming much bigger over the past couple of years than it was even 10 years ago. This is only going to expedite that process. But you know what? Just like coaches bounce around uh, like pinballs every offseason, why do you guys have that advantage and the players don't? Why? And you know what else is driving this? The XFL is driving this. Other opportunities are driving this. And that's why, you know what, the marketplace always wins. And the athlete is getting empowered right now because the marketplace is winning, which I'm okay with. Now, we talked about last week the idea of, you know, paying players, where that's going to go, where that's heading because of bills that have been passed in California and elsewhere, and the fact that Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby found himself on Capitol Hill last week. Those are all worthy conversations, but this is potentially an immediate conversation, an immediate conversation because the goal would be to begin this process for the 2020-2021 academic school year. The Big Ten and the ACC already supporting this proposal. 
Nothing yet that we've heard, at least from the uh, Big 12 leadership, so we're waiting on that. But uh, this, I think, is more than fair to the players. More than fair. And there should be a clause in there that says, if my coach leaves within whatever, weeks or a couple of months of me signing, I, I should be able to reopen my recruitment. And I know people will say, well, you can't pick a school for the coach. That's what you do. Welcome to the real world. You, in large part, pick a school because of the coaches or the head coach in particular. That's why you do it. And you can't say, well, you, you're not picking the coach. You are picking the coach more than anything else. Hey, the dorms are nice, but you know what? I want to play in the NFL. Who's my coach? Do I like the guy? Do I have a relationship with him? Those are the things that matter. So uh, let's see how that plays out for the NCAA. But I was excited by this news, and I would be a big fan of this news if Division One athletes are allowed to transfer once without having to sit out a year. Uh, let's get into this as well. FPI rankings came out from ESPN. Now, this is basically their analytical preseason rankings, and it's based on a lot of different things. Yes, there's flaws to it. Preseason ratings are always historically flawed, but it's built on a few different items, the ESPN FPI rankings. Talks about prior performance built off of the framework of expected points added. Talks about returning starters on both sides of the ball. They use recruiting services. They use coaches' tenures. So it is a pretty analytical process. And the preseason top 10 per ESPN's FPI analytical ratings are Clemson at 1, Ohio State at 2, Oklahoma at 3, Alabama 4, Penn State 5, Wisconsin 6, Texas 7, Texas A&M 8, Notre Dame 9, and Georgia 10. Two Big 12 teams in the top 10, OU at 3, Texas at 7. That is a good deal. By comparison, last year, Oklahoma was 13th and Texas was 20th. So both these teams moving up inside the top 10. Now, you look at last year's uh, rankings, Alabama was 2nd, Georgia was 3rd, LSU was 4th. So uh, they do a pretty good job. I mean, they're, they're pretty, uh, pretty good predictions based on what we've seen the past couple of years. The SEC had seven teams in the top 25. The Big Ten had six. The ACC had four. Big 12 had three. And the Pac-12 had two. Oklahoma State was also in that uh, top 25 out of the Big 12 at number 17. But this just adds to the pressure of Tom Herman heading into the uh, 2020 season. He's three years in. He gets to the Big 12 championship game last year. And people are like, great, program's turning around. Life is good. Woo-woo. Well, hold on a second. Then he stumbles back down to a mediocre season, which is more or less what Texas football has been uh, for the past decade, unfortunately. It's, you know, it's not good. So he blows out his coaching staff. He brings in the new staff. And now there's pressure there. There's no doubt about it that there's pressure there uh, for Tom Herman. He's got his new offensive coordinator in Mike Yurcich. He's got his new defensive coordinator there for the Texas Longhorns. And there's a lot to look at and say, okay, what are we going to do now on both sides of the ball that's going to be different? I thought that, you know, blowing out a guy like Todd Orlando, I didn't think that made a lot of sense. It's Chris Ash, who I know that being a coordinator is different from being a head coach, but Chris Ash couldn't do a darn thing as the head coach of Rutgers. And I understand it's Rutgers. I get all that. I'm sympathetic to all that, okay? But still. But Herman and Ash go back to their time at Ohio State, so he's relying on Chris Ash 
and Mike Yurisich to be the guys that are going to basically help him turn this program around. And he has to. He's, he's, I think he's got to play for a Big 12 championship. I'm not saying that Tom Herman's got to be in the college football playoff. I don't think that's fair because Oklahoma's you know, won this conference, what, five years in a row now? And they've dominated. They've been in the college football playoff. And they're still projected to be the number one team in the Big 12 per ESPN's FPI rankings. But Tom Herman's got to get this team back to a Big 12 championship game. You know, there appears to be a drop-off, at least when you look at skill and talent and whatnot, between um, OU, Texas, and then you would go to Oklahoma State at number three, right? Especially with Hubbard returning and Tylen Wallace healthy and Spencer Sanders having another year under his belt and some good defensive players coming on back. Uh, there are certainly reasons to believe that those right now would be the top three teams of the Big 12. But you'd say talent-wise, there's a sizable gap between two and three, at least off the bat. Now, that has not meant anything for a decade, right? Like, I know many of you that are fans of Oklahoma State and Baylor and Iowa State are screaming, saying, well, look, at they don't win it. But every year this time of year, we say, oh, Texas, Texas is going to be good. I'm not predicting that right now. It's too early. All right, I got to see spring practice. But I'm saying if you're going based off of these FPI rankings, you could come to that conclusion. And I would totally understand it. But what does it really mean? All it means to me is that the pressure on Tom Herman is there. And we knew it was there, but just just confirms that it's there. And that it should be there. You're in year four, by the way, with Sam Ellinger. Year four with the best quarterback you've had since Colt McCoy. I mean, next year you can say, well, we got a new quarterback. We're working in a new signal caller. There's naturally going to be some change there, and we got to get that squared away. Now, that means nothing to Lincoln Riley. I mean, he's projected to have the top offense this year, uh, and considering they've got their fourth starting quarterback in as many seasons, uh, you know, bringing in a new starting quarterback might be a little bit overrated and might be a bit of an excuse. But that is certainly a reason that Herman and the staff could use going into 2021. You can't have a senior quarterback who's your best quarterback in over a decade back for this fall and find any reason, any reason whatsoever, to not be playing for a Big 12 championship based on what else this team has. Herman's recruiting class that is going to be juniors this year. So I guess that would have been the 2018 recruiting class, his second class, his first really full class, but his second class. Those guys are now juniors. They're all upperclassmen. That great group of secondary guys, Caden Sturge, B.J. Foster, they're now all upperclassmen. This is the year for Texas. This is it. And if it doesn't go well, uh, it might not be pretty in Austin. Just saying. Just putting it out there. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll want to mention this, guys. Uh, we are giving away $25 gift cards on our message boards. Just go to heartlandcollegesports.com and sign up for our message boards. The best poster every week is going to get a $25 gift card to wherever you want. You reach out to me. You want uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, Chick-fil-A, whatever. We've got you covered. So just go sign up for our message boards. Best poster every week, a $25 gift card. So we look forward to seeing you on our message boards and building up that community for Big 12 fans. Coming up, our Big 12 basketball insider, Matthew Postens, joins us next. (music) 
Well, as we do each and every time this week, let's welcome on Matthew Postens. He's our Big 12 basketball insider. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Matthew, let's uh, let's just dive into uh, this week of basketball here. Baylor and Kansas both win. That sets up the big matchup on Saturday. But based on what you saw this week, Kansas takes care of Iowa State. Baylor beats Oklahoma on the road. Uh, what did you take out of those two games for each of these two teams? Well, I, I kind of felt like with both of those teams, they're just in a groove right now. I mean, when you look at Kansas – uh, they're starting to get some really balanced play out of uh, Garrett. Uh, maybe he's not scoring a ton of points for them, but he's doing everything else for them. You know, rebounds, assists, steals. Uh, he's giving them some really good line scores the last couple of weeks, and I think that has a chance to come in handy against Baylor. You know, for Baylor, this past, these past two games have been about living without Macy O'Teagan, and done a great job of that because uh, Jared Butler has really stepped up and had two huge games for them. So. You know, right now they're ranked number one uh, and number three, respectively, in the country. Uh, it's going to be a big game Saturday, and I see no reason why it won't be one of the best games we've seen all season. Mm-hmm. So, Matthew, you know, you mentioned there uh, Marcus Garrett. Is that now the obvious third option outside of uh, Azabike and and Dotson? Does he become the clear number three now for this Jayhawks team, which I think any team that wants to win a national title needs? Yeah, I think they do need a third option, and I was hoping he would be that third option for them uh, going into the season. But I don't think he's the obvious third option right now because his scoring isn't consistent. I mean, Dotson and Azubique have become very consistent scorers uh, at this point in the season. That third uh, slot has been you know, filled by Garrett. It's been filled by Agbaji. It's been filled by Brown. Uh, it's been filled by uh, Moss on a couple of occasions. They really haven't had a consistent third option. And I think if you're going to be a consistent third option on a team like Kansas that can contend for a national championship, you need to be scoring double digits night in and night out. And that's the piece they really don't have right now. They have a guy that'll give them that every couple of games. But Garrett isn't giving them the, the huge consistent scoring. Think about the 24 points he scored. That was a career record in the Saturday game against Oklahoma. He comes back. Still plays a really good game against Iowa State, but he only scored like six or seven points in that game. So from a scoring standpoint, he's not that consistent third option. But for everything else that they need from him, assists, steals, rebounds, he is that consistent third mm-hmm. option. Matthew Postens is our guest here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. He's our Big 12 basketball insider. Always great to get his perspective on things. So, you know, Matthew, it, it, we're talking about this off the air, and it's just this idea that – you know, the Big 12 the last couple of years has been anybody's conference. You've had, what, seven uh, teams make the NCAA tournament. Has eight made it one year the last few years? Uh, you've had a nights where any team can beat any other team. And it just hasn't been that way. I mean, we are days away from flipping the calendar to March, and it feels like a fairly predictable conference. How fair of an assessment is that, and what does that mean for the Big 12 heading into March? Uh, I, I think it's very fair, and I think it's due to a couple of things. Number one, Baylor is really, really good this year, and they've been building toward this for two years now. It's not like they you know, suddenly became this great team. You know, Guys like Freddie Gillespie and Macy O'Teague and, and you know, a couple of other transfers, uh, Mitchell, they had to sit for a year, so they didn't even play last year. Gillespie didn't even play two years ago. So they've been building toward this for a couple of years, and now they're head, head and shoulders to me the best team in the conference. The other piece of it is teams like Oklahoma, Texas, TCU, Iowa State, they've all taken steps back that I, you know, some of those teams I was not expecting them to take back the step that they took back 
if you know what I mean. I, I expected yeah. Texas to be better. I thought TCU would be a little bit better than they've been. I thought Iowa State would be better. Uh, it's just that when you get past those two teams now, it's a pretty average conference. You know, Texas Tech is a an above-average team, but they're not as consistent as they were last year. West Virginia is an above-average team, but they're very young, and they have these fits where they don't score a lot, like in their three-game losing streak before they beat Oklahoma State. They were not getting the ball in the basket at all, and they finally kind of cleared some things up against Oklahoma State. So it's just a combination of those two things, and when it comes to the NCAA tournament, I think the Big 12 will be fortunate to get five teams in the tournament. Uh, Oklahoma feels like that fifth team right now, even though they lost uh, to Baylor the other night. Uh, they're playing in a, a, a big-time conference that has a great RPI that is considered one of the best conferences in the country. And I think if there's any team that you know may end up on the bubble but still get in, it'll be Oklahoma. After that, you're, you're thinking probably Texas and TCU making the NIT, maybe Oklahoma State if they can get above 500. Uh, but it's it's not going to be what we've been used to the past couple of years with so many Big 12 teams in the conference. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing because, you know, Kansas and Baylor both have Final Four aspirations that are very legitimate. I think Texas Tech has enough experience to be a Sweet 16 team. And I think West Virginia has enough firepower defensively to at least win an NCAA tournament game. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you put eggs in a smaller basket, maybe you get better results. I think that is the question, though, Matthew. Does OU make it in so so the Big 12 gets five teams instead of four? I mean, they've lost both their games to Baylor. They lost both their games to Kansas. They beat West Virginia. That's their best uh, win of the year by far at home. They've got one more game at West Virginia. Outside of that, no more ranked teams in the schedule. Uh, you know, it just seems to me like uh, – and then they'll have the Big 12 tournament to maybe get an impressive win or two. Do you feel like if they just win the games they're supposed to win and lose to West Virginia, that's enough based on the RPI? I think that might be enough. I mean, right now I think they're projected as a nine seed. Uh, They're projected as one of those teams that's one of the last four buys, which means they're off the bubble in Joe Lenardi speak. I feel like that if they get, I feel like that they get to twenty wins by the end of the season, I think they're going to get in. Okay. All right, fair enough. Very interesting. Uh, Matthew Postens is our guest. So, Matthew, the game uh, this weekend is the game of the week in college basketball. It's Baylor and Kansas and Waco. College game day is going to be down there. Uh, When you look at this game, uh, what's it going to come down to between these two heavyweights in the conference and the country, for that matter? Well, I think if you're looking at it from Kansas's perspective, your advantage is as a beakway inside. It's not that Baylor can't play, you know, guys like him inside. But there's nobody quite like Azabikwe in this conference in terms of his size, uh, his ability to get to the basket. And what I've been impressed with with him this year is he's more athletic, he's better conditioned, and he, he's added some little flourishes to his post game that I think could give Baylor some trouble on Saturday. Obviously, Dotson is a big part of what they do. They need a third guy to step up, whether it's Garrett or Brown. But if Azabikwe has a poor game, Kansas is going to have a really hard time winning. Uh, when you think about the West Virginia game last week, he didn't play very well in that game. West Virginia did a really good job of knocking him around. They had two guys in Toshibwe and Culver that could really you know, make life difficult for him. They still won that game, but they didn't score a lot of points. When they play Baylor, they're going to need to score points, and they're going to need Azubikwe to have a big game. Conversely, for Baylor, they need Teague back. They need to have all their options at the guard position, and they need to be able to shoot well from outside. Uh, I think Gillespie is going to have a difficult time because of the size factor inside, so they're going to need their outside shooters, Butler, Mitchell, Bandu, 
uh, all of those guys to be shooting well from the outside so they can create space for their interior guys like Gillespie, like Vital, uh, to make some things happen inside. So for Kansas, I really feel like it's about the, the interior for them. For Baylor, I really feel like it's about the perimeter for them. Uh, those are their strengths. And I think when you go into a game like this, you want to lean on your strengths. Matthew Poston's our guest. Matthew, we got about a minute here. Um, and how about Baylor? They've got college game day in football. they got college game day in basketball. It's a good time right now to be in that athletic department and be a fan of this, uh, this program. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, Fran Frischilla mentioned in a broadcast earlier this week, the volleyball team went to the Final Four. Uh, Kim Mulkey just got her 600th win as a coach, which is the fastest any coach, male or female, has gotten to 600 wins in NCAA basketball. So the athletic department there is just having a an incredible run right now. And to have game day there Saturday, they announced that during the game uh, when I covered the uh, West Virginia Baylor game last week. Everybody was really excited about that and that game against West Virginia was pretty much a sellout. The atmosphere in the Farrell Center on Saturday is going to be insane. This is the kind of game that we see Duke and North Carolina have this time of year because usually they're both highly ranked. It's really cool to see it happening in the Big 12 this year. I agree. It's uh, it's good times for both of those fan bases and those programs, and they are right now the clear front runners and heavyweights in the Big 12. He's Matthew Poston's awesome job as always covering the conference on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Matthew, really appreciate it. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Pete. Well, coming up, let's talk to Texas Tech Red Raiders head coach Matt Wells. Looking forward to a conversation with him. That's next here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Well, let's talk numbers a little bit. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. TJ Reeves joining us. He is the host of Three Dog Thursday. They look for the underdogs in college basketball. Great podcast. Be sure to check them out. TJ. Let's get right to it. Who are we overlooking in the Big 12 heading down the home stretch? First of all, it's great to be with you uh, anytime, Pete, but great to be with you at this time of the year because right now there are two or three teams in the Big 12 that either think they're in but they're not, and we're going to find that out in the next two or three weeks, or they're out but they're going to play their way in in the next two or three weeks. And it's the same in about a half dozen, maybe seven or eight other conferences where you got teams that are thinking, we're good, we're in good shape, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work. Uh, other, other upsets happen. Somebody upsets them. They lose a couple of times. Somebody hops and grabs their spot, or vice versa. You get hot. You win two or three critical games at the end, including maybe uh, here in the Big 12 case, you win – excuse me, a big game or two at the Big 12 tournament on the neutral floor, and suddenly you outshine somebody else. That's what this time of the year is all about. That's what we love about college basketball is that if you have life, if you have two, three games still remaining, you have hope besides just the automatic bid to impress that selection committee. So who then are we overlooking in this conference? Who, who could be that team where you say, you know what, uh, I didn't think they were there in mid-February, but here they are mid-March, and, and they've got a shot. Oklahoma is a team you have to look at. 47 right now in the net ranking, and I don't know how much you talk about these uh, power rankings and the metrics and all the different stuff, but the NCAA pays the most attention, for now at least anyway, to the net ranking, to that formula, which weights the wins more heavily on uh, in terms of neutral floor and road victories. They're worth more 
Uh, and in that net ranking right now, Oklahoma is kind of right on the fringe, right at number 47. So that's a, that's a team, Lon Kruger's team, exactly like what we're talking about, to greatly help themselves with a quality win or two late in the year. And he is he is obviously a very savvy coach, a very savvy March coach that's had a lot of success with a lot of programs, including with the Sooners, had him in the Final Four a few years ago. Uh, he has done a tremendous job, it seems like, March after March of get the best out of your team. So let's keep an eye on Oklahoma as one of those teams uh, that could maybe step to the forefront. I mean, we know at the top of this conference, as you mentioned, that Baylor and Kansas, and despite West Virginia taking their lumps here recently with a couple of losses, those those guys are going to be in. Who's the fourth team out of the Big 12? Who's who's the, maybe a fifth team out of the Big 12? That's where it gets really interesting. Mm, no doubt about it. T.J. Reeves joining us, his uh, podcast, Three Dog Thursday. Great job uh, finding and picking underdogs across the sport. So, uh, T.J., when you look to this bubble. I mean, people are saying this is going to be a very soft bubble this year in the NCAA tournament. How do you read that, and what does that mean for all Power 5 teams? You know, it seems like every year I, I, I chime in on this uh, subject, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, whenever we get closer to March, we might as well talk about it now. They're always searching for, like, the 34th, 35th, and 36th team. They always have difficulty on filling out the end of the bracket with who is uh, at the end here, the 66th, the 67th, the 68th team, the final teams that get in. And, and it's not going to be any different this year. When you start looking through, I know you focus on the Big 12, but you start looking through uh, the Wisconsins, uh, the Alabamas, the Oklahomas, the Georgetown, uh, Virgin- is Virginia the defending national champion going to miss out on this tournament? They're right now on the fringe. Are they going to miss out? They're going to have a tough task of trying to fill out the bottom of the bracket because a lot of the resumes look alike. A lot of the records have around 16, 17, 18 wins. The number of quality wins is usually three, maybe four quality wins. And that's why it's a beauty contest, Pete. Uh, I don't know if you've ever judged a beauty contest. They don't usually have me do that, but it's like a beauty contest. Which one do you think looks the prettiest right now to put them in on a vote? It's not a computer that does this. It's human beings in India. Indianapolis that do this so it it will be very interesting uh, to see you know is Virginia one of those last teams in and maybe playing in Dayton Ohio how wild would that be after cutting the nets down uh, last year in Minneapolis that you would somehow be one of the first four games being played in Dayton but that might very well happen it's why we love March absolutely TJ Reeves joining us his podcast be sure to check it out three dog Thursday he's joining us on the show Uh, TJ you mentioned the top of the conference Baylor Kansas right now uh, the clear one two they're playing this weekend down in Waco college game day is going to be there yeah it's going to be great Uh, but are we you know you know the entire college landscape very well are we overrating either of these or both of these programs? No. Can I give you a quick answer? No. Okay. They're, they're legit. They're both Final Four type legit for right now. Both battle tested. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, you can have a game where you don't shoot well, the other team lights it up. It's a one and done scenario. But right now, if you said, if you said to me that, that I could take uh, four teams, give me, give me four teams that I could take right now to make the Final Four, and let's just say, uh, for argument's sake, I I win a new car if I get, like, all four correct. I I am probably taking Kansas and Baylor. How about that? As both of them, because they're not going to be in the same bracket. Uh, They're more than likely 
Uh, one's going to be a one seed, one's going to be a two seed, and I, I know I know they try to act like the committee doesn't pay attention to these things, but they probably will not put them in the same bracket, even if they're a one and a two, to, to separate them off, and they have these different rules. So I like both of these as Final Four type teams. And boy, you talk about a revenge game. I mean, uh, for Kansas, uh, I still love the Bill Self quote from back a couple, of, uh, you know, about three four weeks ago when Baylor went in and hammered them at Fog Allen Fieldhouse, and he said flat out, "We got." We got it handed to us. And so you better believe he's not going to have to give a strong pregame speech here. But I, to answer your question, I love both of these teams right now to potentially be in Atlanta at the Final Four. They're both that good. He is uh, TJ Reeves, the podcast Three Dog Thursday on the show, looking for those underdogs, and we're hoping to have a couple of those in the Big 12 this March. Hey, TJ, great to have you on. Really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy March if we don't talk to you before then. Pete, it was a blast to be with you. Keep up the great work there with Heartland Sports and with everything that you're doing. And thank you for the plugs. And everybody, get ready. Buckle up. March is approaching. Can't wait. He's TJ Reeves on the show. And that's it for us. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Uh, by the way, we've got those message boards. Go sign up. They're free. We're giving away $25 gift cards to the best poster every week. Um, on our message board so we appreciate you guys for that and don't forget leave a rating review subscribe we'll get you uh, free heartland college sports koozies in the mail if you do that send us a rating and a review and then screenshot the rating and review to pete mundo m-u-n-d-o at heartlandcollegesports.com and you've got koozies coming your way thanks so much guys we'll talk to you soon really appreciate it